0: Hi, everybody. Tim Kitcher here, the voice of NBA Jam. Welcome to the Backcourt Violation Podcast. You bring the jelly, and they'll bring the jam. Woo boom, shakalaka. Everybody, yeah. Got your body, yeah. What? Everybody, no fucking way. Yeah. Got your body. Again. Brother, sisters, everybody Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's season two of the Backward Violation Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Rucker. I'm joined by someone special today. You know, Neem, uh, my typical co-host, is out for load management. Shout out, Neem. Thanks a lot. No, but I wanted to start off season two with a bit of a bang. We've been out for a little bit. You know, take care of some off-the-court issues, and I wanted to have a special guest on to sort of start the get the ball rolling for Season 2. Kyle Nishimoto, one of my good friends. Please say hello to the listeners.
1: Man, you picked the wrong guy to start off with a bang for Season 2, but uh, I'm honored to be here, man. I'm excited. Backcourt violation is is a hot topic, a hot account right now on top of everything you guys are doing at No Ceiling, so uh, man, excited to be here.
0: I, I I wanted to have you on, you know, you, you handed up no ceilings and that's kind of why this podcast had to take a little bit of a hiatus was we just had to get the ball rolling at no ceilings. And if, you know, listeners out there, that's pretty much our new draft project. You can follow it at noceilings.substack.com. But, you know, it's finally time to get the backcourt pod rolling right away. And I've wanted to have you on. For a long time to specifically talk about the g-league you know me and kyle have known each other for a long time working we spent some time working in the nba with the golden state warriors and kyle's done some absolutely sensational stuff in the g-league just been grinding through the gauntlet and i've wanted to have you on this show for a long time because i do think the g-league is growing quickly and becoming this really really crucial important part as a developmental tool in the nba but you know First, we got to get through. We got to get through the ugly stuff, and we got to talk about your background. So, I'm sorry, I'm going to put you on the spot. You got to hit all of our listeners. Just kind of give everyone a little bit of a taste of, you know, your background, what you've done in the G League, and how it's pretty much brought you to where you're at right now.
1: Shoot, I'll give you the little Sparks Notes version. Um, <laughs> I was an intern with Golden State uh, with you when I was when I was 18. So I'd been only known the NBA since I was 18. Um, I, I wasn't in, on, on, the basketball side, but I, you know, we were on the game operations side and, uh, knew that having any, some sort of foot in the door and just getting to build relationships, that's the most important thing. So, um, you know, was with golden state for a couple of years, uh, transferred schools, uh, from San Jose state over to Oklahoma. Uh, there I was working with the Oklahoma city thunder, got to network and meet a lot of a lot of different people, um, while I was there halfway through that first season. And one semester after, uh, I just arrived at Oklahoma, uh, I get a call from someone at Golden State who said, uh, there's an internship in the analytics department, um, to be a game day cam- sports view camera operator. Do you want to interview? I said, shoot, I just got back. I just got here from, from, I just <laughs> literally just got to OU. Like I just attended my first football game the, the other week, like, uh, yeah, let's do it because I knew this was on the basketball side. So this is what I was, what I've been waiting for anyway. Right. Uh, ended up getting the position. I left Oklahoma after one semester. Uh, everybody thought I was crazy and stupid, uh, but I was going for it. You know, I was going to finish the rest of my schooling online um, at Southern New Hampshire University, which I, which I did um, in conjunction with, you know, being in the NBA G League. Um, so. After that first year as Golden State, stayed another year as a sports view camera camera operator. Um, there, it was funny because uh, Kent Lakeup, who is now in Golden State's front office, um, I remember him coming out, uh, coming over to our to our uh, our little station, or office, as, as you will. Uh, and we had to teach him what we were doing because um, he was going <laughs> to be our boss the next year, which was I thought was really ironic and funny. Uh, that I think for me. Was like, well, you know, let's it's time for me to to do to to move on and find a different opportunity. And let's, you know, try to make this a full time thing um, instead of a game day thing. So I went to Summer League uh, with you, obviously, and we were networking, meeting a lot of people um, walking from the great old was it silver sevens. Oh, I man. don't know
0: man it changes every time uh,
1: yeah shoot I know you were staying on the strip I was at silver sevens at 20 <laughs> bucks a night or whatever I'm walking there I'm drenched by the time I get to summer League. uh ended up meeting the uh, the the now or the the former GM for the stockton Kings or the Reno bighorns at the time volunteered for the, at their uh, their tryout up in Sacramento uh shoot from there I was interviewed for the director of basketball operations position. Um, was interviewing video coordinators. They didn't have one at the time. They were short on budget, so they said, well, can you be the video coordinator too? So I ended up taking both roles, elevated myself from uh, video coordinator and-, and DOBO to video coordinator and assistant coach uh, for those last four years. As soon as the pandemic hit, our staff was let go, unfortunately, but uh, but now I'm an assistant coach at St. Francis High School out in Mountain View, California.
0: That's Pretty much why I wanted to have you on because I think there's a lot of listeners, a lot of people that have reached out to me, even on social media and stuff, that just kind of want to understand the grind and everything it takes to put your worth in and build your resume and climb the ranks when you're, you know, you're not giving all the keys to the castle right away, especially when you're trying to prove your worth in the NBA. And you know, if you're listening to Kyle's story, Kyle's been one of those absolute grinders and I've known him for years and he's works his butt off and he's put in the time and he's got a great experience with dealing with some of the top talent around the NBA, you know, cause not just being in the G league, but those guys have gone on to play in the NBA. So that's why I wanted to have you on because it's just so valuable. So many people always ask me, you know, what does it take? And yes, it takes relationships. It takes everything in that industry, but it also takes just grinding and wanting to do stuff that, you know, you never thought when it comes to staying up late hours and doing film, like you can't imagine. So what's so fascinating to me that I think important for listeners is you were pretty much in the G League, like you said, with Reno Bighorn's, when it was not really, it was still kind of getting rolling. Not, It hadn't really hit that next level of popularity. I mean, has it just impressed you how much it's developed each year? And do you think it's just gonna keep getting bigger? And like, talk about how it was those early years compared to, you know, your most recent time with the Stockton Kings.
1: Yeah, shoot, I <laughs> I actually looked it up before we were getting on this podcast. I, I wanted to see how many teams there was in that 16, 17 season. Um, and there was 22 teams. Uh now I think there's 28. Mm-hmm. Um, back then there were there were locations where we were we were in the cuts. All right.
0: Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. See, You're see I have to get, Laquita I, in. I have Come to on. get Kyle to loosen up, all you listeners. Kyle gets a little professional, but once I get him going, like it's okay. We're gonna get him, we're gonna get him feeling good now. Now now we don't you can't be too professional on the backcourt pod. You got to have some fun with it. Yes, <laughs> well, Lakita, I'm gonna, I'm, I know these stories, so
1: go yeah, ahead. Laquita, you know, bathtub may not work. The drainage system may not work. <laughs> You're a professional team associated with the NBA G League. So uh, that was uh, a real eye-opener for me, I think. Um, but the, the the it's just completely night and day from my first year in Reno to – the name changed, the sponsor changed everything, you know, and it's uh, the, the G League now, which it was the D League. And, you know, the the accommodations are a lot nicer now. The facilities are 10 times nicer now. Um, shoot, it's completely night and day.
0: I, I've watched the league grow. Obviously, you've had a hands-on, you know, view behind the scenes. Do you think the amount of interaction with you know, the big teams and their affiliates has grown also because they're sort of realizing how important of a developmental tool the G League can be now? Or do you think, you know, it kind of started out where it was like everyone was trying to figure out the ins and outs of having a developmental league and now it's it's one of the most special assets a GM or organization or front office can have at their disposal? 100%.
1: So I think, you know, you're seeing it now with a lot of these teams that are getting bought out or getting relocated closer to the parent team uh, right. because they want to use it as a developmental tool. That's really in their Because Realistically as a, from a business standpoint, from my understanding for the, uh, that it's not a big money maker. you're not going to make any money in the G league, but it is going to be a great tool to develop your players, you know, uh, to give them game experience, some things that you're not going to get at practice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so that alone is, is such a, you know, just a vital tool um, for these organizations to have. And the good ones have a really strong relationship with their with their G League team. Right. You know, the good ones will check in. The good ones want reports. They want to know how their, uh, their top prospects are, are progressing, and they want to know what the drills are doing. And, and you know, they, they're just in a solid communication throughout the entire uh, time there. Um, I'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I know I know you're you're we're circling <clears throat> troubled waters. I know Kyle's mind right now, but um just for our listeners, you know, obviously there's some challenges coaching in the G League. You know, there's so many players in and out, you know, they could be moving to different teams, they could be getting called up, so you're kind of adjusting with, you know, lineups or rotations on the fly. Was there anything that was so challenging when it came to coaching in the G League because you you spent so many years as an assistant coach on the bench? I know I've had these conversations with you. Was it kind of hard being, you know, do I, do we play the best guys that give us a chance to win or do the big teams sort of want us to focus on development of maybe a second round pick that they have high hopes for, like just, just kind of sprinkle in what you can, what you can, I know you're still a little bit like right fresh out of water, but like just what you can for the listeners of kind of what the challenges were. Yeah. I think,
1: uh, you know, I've, I've, had experience where, um, you know, their draft guys and their prospects, they required them to have a X amount of minutes, X amount of touches. And, um, but you know, I think that our leadership, um, in the G league was really good about, um, understanding too, that, you know, minutes and touches are, are all going to be, uh, given at the, you know, understanding that they're going to produce and they're going to be part of the team. Right. Um. So that, that was big. And the other thing with, you know, being an assistant coach, you have scouts and the hardest thing I think about the G League is that there is such uh, such a big roster turnover um, and or maybe not a roster turnover, just a roster change by day and by, right. by second. You right. know, there's the roster will change drastically overnight. Like you'll have call-ups that happen. That call-up season is crazy. You've got guys that get brought down and sent up and so some social media teams are kind of tricky. Like they won't tell you when they're getting sent down until you know until they have to, but which is right. what two and two and a half hours or something before tip off or something like that, right? Yeah, so and you it's, can have it's a full on scout.
0: I'm not even. I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's no. not just your team with all the change. It's also trying to scout the other team, and guys are not even going to be there that you prepared a scouting report for the whole week, and all of a sudden, you know, right before hours, it's like they got called up. What are you talking about? So yeah. just go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I just. No, I,
1: just, just imagine you're you're doing a, a playoff scout for the LA defenders at the time or South Bay Lakers or whatever, and and you didn't plan on Gary Payton the second, you know, showing up. So you've got a full on game plan against their backup. Next thing you know, you find out two hours before the game, oh shoot, I gotta get personnel clips on Gary Payton because I just found out via Twitter that right. he has just been assigned, or yeah. through the through the system that he's been assigned, uh, or whoever it is, you know, that that it could change a game plan, you know quickly and in a heartbeat. So that's kind of stressful, definitely, from, from our standpoint.
0: No, and Kyle, also, for all of you listeners, we have a very uh, specific plan to talk about a specific team that has a lot of G-leaguers and having a lot of success right now. So Kyle just name-dropped Gary Payton II, which I'm very excited to talk about later. But we're almost there. I got a couple more that we need, yeah. to, we need to feed the wolves about your little experience, give them a little background. So off-season, um, I know it's kind of a almost like a tricky situation when you're working for a G league team um, just because you don't really know who's gonna be there you know you obviously you're waiting for the incoming draft picks if the team decides to put them down with you Just kind of talk a little bit about that I know you had some experience being involved involved in the drafts um, just what is it like do you is it from what you know, drastically different from working with the big clubs or do you think it's a little bit more time crunch if you want to put it that way just kind of give everyone a little bit of an idea of what that goes into the offseason for a g league team
1: yeah the offseason for a g league team is
0: uh shoot it's it's
1: <laughs> it's tricky it gets yes. real tricky because you don't know who's gonna come back and who you know who the front office wants to keep back secondly how we did it in in Stockton and, and reno was you're on a yearly contract or season contract so heck i had a good relationship with our gm but you know realistically you don't know if you're even gonna come back so,
0: right it's, right, it's, right. A,
1: it's a very tricky situation some other nba teams have their uh g league teams on a, or g league staff on a full year contract some them just do seasons seven month contracts um and so that in itself is tricky roster uh, gets real tricky um, with Exhibit 10s, you know, uh, two ways, something that you don't really have too much of an influence on. Um, our GM was great in Stockton, uh, wanting to hear our opinions on on certain guys. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's that's a huge key. Uh, he, uh, that was a huge key for our success, too, was uh, we had open communication between our, our GM and our staff.
0: Now I'm going to get into some fun stuff. So... I'm very passionate just because I've known you my whole life. I've seen the work you've put in. I've watched the G league grow with your time in the G league um, as an assistant coach and, you know, doing the behind the scenes grind. This is something that bugs me personally a lot. I think a lot of people, a lot of fans right now view going or like teams sending their players down to the G league as a negative. And I think it's, one of the biggest positives there ever is because of how good the competition has grown to be like, this isn't where the G league was when you started out with Reno. Now these teams are stacked, you know, the players, the talent has improved drastically. So are you on that side where you just think like, it's absolutely a sensational tool and valuable for guys kind of, you know, those raw prospects that might get drafted in the second round that had a bad freshman year or one-and-dones, and now they get to go build some confidence and kind of see what it's like before they have to go perform for the big club because just, you know, how, how much success has been in the NBA? I mean, just talk about when you get guys down, That do you think they're kind of discouraged or viewing it as a negative, or do you think they quickly realize, like, okay, I could, I could really use this to kind of work on my game?
1: Yeah, I think naturally, that's a good question. I think naturally, I think, uh, you know, all players in the NBA, as soon as they hear they got to go down to the G League team, um, it's kind of a negative connotation. Um, mm-hmm. It definitely was my earlier years um, in the G League, but I think now it's getting a lot better uh, mm-hmm. where it's turning into more of a positive thing than any type of negative effect, um, you know, for a plain example, somebody who's just absolutely killing it. And I don't want to, we'll talk about this guy later, but, you know, Jordan Poole is someone who absolutely just struggled and had to come mm-hmm. down to the G League. And, and we saw him, you know, struggle. Right. But look at the kid now because yep. what he needed was game reps. And that's something that, you know, Rico Hines, who I learned all my stuff from all my player development and, and uh, taught me the whole NBA game, was Rico Hines. And he's the one that taught me, you know, the G League's not a bad thing, it gets you right. game reps. And in the NBA, you're not going to be able to get game reps. You'll get you'll get scrimmage time at practice, but that's completely different. Performing in front of fans, you know, being a starter, whatever the case may be. Game reps, you, can, you cannot simulate anything better than the game itself.
0: This is where we're going to start having some, you know, some real fun. We're getting into the, the dessert. We had the uh, appetizers. Now we're getting the main course in dessert. So why I wanted to have you on is obviously to talk about G League, what we think about it, what you're opinion was moving forward but lately we've seen a lot of big name high school prospects go directly to the g league and that's looking like it's going to start becoming a trend that is going upwards in a hurry you know like scoot henderson's going to be there for a little bit if he doesn't go somewhere else next year but he's going to be probably a top three pick upcoming draft for 2023 Jaden hardy this year you know looks like a guy that could be a top 10 pick absolutely after some hype but What I really wanted to talk to you about was kind of your past experience because, you know, we've never really talked about this on air, but you got to spend some time last year working the G League Ignite scrimmages, you know, kind of that week building up to those scrimmages. Got to see Jonathan Kaminga, who got drafted by the Golden State Warriors, Jalen Green, um, Isaiah Todd, a number of those guys. What was it like, seeing those guys for the first time compared to your private years with, you know, seeing all these G league talented players, was it just kind of immediately you were impressed? I mean, what did you kind of think of each guy? Cause I know we have a funny story cause, but I'll, I'll save that for after your answer about, you know, what you said to me.
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I was absolutely blown away uh, yeah. with a level of talent that was down there. Um, you know, I was assistant with Ty Ellis and Stockton and Ty, I got the chance to to create a little G League Super Team, if you will, to to you know put these uh, G League Ignite players, um, you know, through the ringer a little bit and right. show them some some G League vets and some toughness that they have in the G League with uh, you know tons of physicality that's in the G League game. Uh, you know, it's it's dang near a a fist fight. It's a right. very very physical in the G League because you're dealing with grown men and uh, how these players like Jonathan Kaminga and Jalen green and, um, Deshaun Nix and, and Isaiah Todd, the way that those guys handled that physicality, I thought it was, it was awesome. You know, you can definitely see their development and how comfortable, how more comfortable they are in the NBA game, just because they're around, uh, those NBA coaches and NBA personnel, um, to really teach them that game. Cause it's, it's completely different than the, than the college game, just in terms of speed and everything else. Um, it's a very pick and roll heavy game. Um, so their development and what i saw during that week was it blew me away at at the amount of talent that there was there
0: i okay well i gotta go to this point because i i can barely hold this in so that scrimmage week happens kyle and i usually have some conversations We'll, we'll call each other and it's more of like hey have you watched this guy just we've we've trusted each other we've built some trust and I value his opinion because he's got a great eye for talent and um, sometimes I get lucky and he agrees with my opinions. So when that first week happened, you called me after that first practice with the, because it was like the hype building up to the scrimmages that, you know, scouts, NBA personnel couldn't go to, right. which was just vicious and very annoying <laughs> if you're an evaluator. But I remember you called me that first practice right after and I answered the phone and you were just like oh my goodness and I was immediately I was like Jalen Green and you were like no Jonathan yeah. Kaminga and <laughs> I mean just kind of talk like what were your first you know reactions what stood out to you about Kaminga um how do you think you know he ended up getting drafted by Golden State Warriors I thought that was the perfect place for him to end up how do you think he's gonna progress do you think he's gonna be this guy that has all this potential and can be a star in golden state i mean just kind of give everyone a vibe of what you first saw and how you're seeing him grow
1: yeah i uh, i when i put this comparison out there i i definitely did pump the brakes on myself because i get <laughs> too excited uh but the guy was like a like a kawhi leonard like the dude mm-hmm. was he had amazing footwork when i found out the kid was 18 i was like there's no someone slapped me because there's no freaking way <laughs> The kid was 18 years old with that great footwork, long arms, shot the heck out of the ball too, which is something that you know has been unquestionable. But the kid was shooting the crap out of the ball, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I, I was just so impressed with just defensively, he was a he was a lockdown defender um, for that. You know, during that game too, um, Jalen Green. I heard a lot about his athleticism and everything. So I, I maybe it was more shocking to me for Jonathan Kaminga because I didn't really necessarily look too much into him. Mm -hmm. Jalen Green, I heard all these great things about and he lived up to the bar. I heard about all of that. So I kind of had it coming. Uh, But Kaminga just absolutely just blew my mind uh, with his amount of talent and how receptive he was. And I was talking to the uh, strength coach there at at the Ignite because he used to be our strength coach in Stockton. And he said, yeah, that kid is a hard worker. That kid just, you know, does whatever it takes to get the job done um, but the key piece, like you mentioned was he had to go to the right team. He had to mm-hmm. go to a team that really, uh, values development. And I mean, development in the G league. I think that that's something that he needs at, you know, him being 18, being thrown into the, into the fire that some players can go straight into the NBA game and make a huge impact for him. He's, he's still so young. He's got so mm-hmm. much to learn, but he's got some very strong foundational pieces. And mm-hmm. So with a team like Golden State, where they view the G League as a really positive place and um, a huge uh, piece of their development scheme, that w- he couldn't have landed at a better spot.
0: Yeah, and for everyone listening, it, it wasn't like Kyle called me and was like, "Oh, Jalen Green was no good." Because I remember that conversation right after I was like, "Well, was Jalen Green bad?" And You were like, "Oh, no, no, no! Jalen Green's awesome. He's gonna right. be a star. He just has to figure out all the small stuff." But, right. um. I'm like you, and it it wowed me. You've never talked like that to me about a guy. You were just so just like, oh my goodness, if he figures everything out, like the tools are so special. And I do think he had to go to the right place. And I I just had this feeling if someone drafted him and said, like, don't, we're not rushing you. You yes. need to spend some time. And I thought, just let him go live in the G League. And that's why a lot of these fans, I think, out there say, like, he's too good to play in the G League. And it's like, no, if someone's sitting on the bench, they can get valuable minutes in the G League. Like, yes, if they go yes. put up 30, like, we get it. But they're still getting those minutes to work on their craft and perfect things. So, I got and, and the talent down there in the G League is not bad either, like you were saying earlier. like
1: Yes. They're playing against some quality guys.
0: Well, that's, so, that's, that's what you know? I wanted to kind of transition to because – They're not just going against guys that, you know, are not going to ever make in the league. These guys are crawling, like clawing their way to make an NBA roster. And with the amount of players in the NBA now that have had G League experience, I think that's only going to grow. So it's not like you're getting them bad minutes. You know, you're getting them valuable competition that they never had before.
1: And they're the guy. You know, if they go to the G League team, they are essentially the guy. Mm -hmm. So who do you think? their defender is going after. They're going to go after that top 10 pick to, you know, prove a point. So they're going to get everybody's best every night. And especially because that kid's getting paid compared to what the G League salary is like that, that, that in itself is another, uh, you know, fuel to the fire. So, but these guys that they're going against are, are grown men. Yeah. So, you know, someone that's like Kuminga 18, 19 years old, him going against a full on 27 year old is completely different. Right, you know, right, right. we're talking just, just talent all the way around.
0: Do you think, you know, last year with the G League Ignites team, they had some really nice veteran pieces? You know, like Jarrett Jack was mm-hmm. a very nice piece for Jalen Green and Kaminga to kind of pick his mind with how his basketball career in the NBA, how much experience he had. You know, this year the roster with the G League Ignite team is another crop of really good prospects. You know, Hardy I talked about earlier, Dyson Daniels. Uh, Marjan Beauchamp and Michael Foster, but they don't have that veteran kind of ball handler that can run the show, calm things down. So they've kind of made the the young guys do that, even though no one's really had a reputation as a primary ball handler. Do you think, and Hardy specifically, I know a lot of listeners are going to want to hear your opinion about this. Hardy's kind of struggled early Mm -hmm. on just because he's had the ball in his hands a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's that jump from going from, like, a lethal shooter in high school to all of a sudden running an offense in the G League. Do you think that's just, like, people need to understand how difficult of a leap that is for young prospects like that?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, responsibility change is definitely a huge leap. Um, Shoot, even just some games, have it takes time to transfer over. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be absolutely stellar in high school doing something, but as soon as you go to the NBA game, you know, Things change. Physicality is different. Just all those little pieces are com- are, are different. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the learning curve is longer for some people and some people is shorter. But I think, you know, a lot of people that are looking from the outside looking in are, are like, oh, well, he's, he just sucks. He just he just can't play. He's not as good as we thought he is. Look, the kid is now just turned a professional. He's like finally going to be able to do this thing full time. Pump the brakes a little bit. Like, let's right, see right. how he develops. Some some people need some. Some people are two years out from being two years out, and I, I right. know a couple of those guys. Right? Some guys <laughs> are just two years out. You yeah, know? Like, yeah, right. They just need the time, and it's look like anything. You take time doing something, put time into something, it'll it'll turn out great in the long run.
0: And me and you have talked about this too, because Hardy. I'm just going off of him, but he was one of these lethal outside shooters from high school, and he's just struggled kind of mm-hmm. figuring out the the flow of the game the feel now because he's kind of being shifted more into an on-ball role and his outside shots struggled yeah. you've always talked to me about this but are you when you were coaching the g league and you knew guys could shoot but they're just struggling in games are you always like hey pump the brakes they're gonna figure it out with time like now they get to work on it and kind of find the rhythm are you one of those believers yeah. of like the shot will come around like the foundation's good. I'm not worried about the percentages. If he has a yes. bad streak, you know, talk about that. And, you know, guys that maybe had struggled that all of a sudden started building confidence while you're in the G league.
1: Yeah. The confidence is huge. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, with numbers averages, they'll they'll the numbers will always even out, you
0: mm-hmm.
1: know? Um, but I think, you know, with these guys and their development, they, again, they just need reps and, mm the shots will always come. Like you can get a numerous amount of shots. No matter that. I can all like us as coaches, player development coaches, we can give you a shot. Like that's no, no problem. It's can you read the floor when it's game time? Those are the type of things that you just need reps and need to see live defense over and over and over again. That's what takes a lot of time. The shot. Right. Part, I am never tripping off that part.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that's what you're starting to see with Hardy I know you've been a busy man, so I know you haven't seen too much of him. But yeah, the percentages haven't come around, but it's, it's the little stuff. Like, he looks like he's starting to understand when to attack, when to dish out, when to, you yes. know, coverages. I think that's NBA teams want to see that develop right. more than just like, oh, okay, now he's shooting it strong from outside. I think when you know what someone is, you want to see the rest of the game develop, especially when right. you're a young playmaker or a ball handler in the G League.
1: Right, and I, th- I think especially coming from the G League G League Ignite system, I don't know what they're you know doing on there in terms of the development, but uh, you know I would assume if they're coming in as a really good shooter, well everybody knows that. Like, but what else right. can you do? H- how else right. can we help build your draft stock? How else can we help build yourself as a full all around player to get you the most uh, impact on your team wherever you end up going? Um, so th- they very well could be you know putting them in positions that are probably really uncomfortable. Right, right, realistically, it doesn't matter what the G League night whether they go nine and zero. Like it, it yeah. doesn't matter. Their right. purpose is to develop those guys to to bring some really nice pieces to the NBA. Right, right. So that may what what that might be what their strategy is, and I I don't blame them for that. You know, I think guys need to be put in uncomfortable situations so they get comfortable with it. You know, right, and, right, right, right. Yeah, um, yeah. So if, if Jaden Hart, you know, if if if, if he is a prolific shooter we know that he can shoot, so right what else can he do?
0: yeah how else can we develop maybe his weaknesses to make yes. it a little bit more level playing for how you know that might be why they're putting him in a position where he has the ball in his hands and has yes. to facilitate or make decisions more often because like you said, we know he's a shooter, but what else can he do what else can he improve to make that his promising skills at the next level so imagine imagine if he could shoot coming out of high
1: school and all of a sudden now he's a secondary ball handler for you or a secondary point guard. The more positions you can play, the more minutes you get to play. Right. Right. Because the more, the more positions you can plug yourself into. So it never hurts to learn a new position.
0: I wanted to do something special because they're having a lot of success. Now we did our massive dive on the G league, but me and you spent some time with the warriors. Um, they've been scorching this year along with the Phoenix sun, shout out Neme, but What's so interesting about us talking about the G League and now bringing in the Warriors is the Warriors have gotten some really good rotation pieces from pretty much nowhere this year and oh, a lot of those guys that have stepped up have spent a lot of time in the G League and you have had in-person glance at how impressive they've been so I mean we got to let's just start with Gary Payton II because I remember going to games talking to you breaking it up. And I was just like, why can't this guy stick in the league? He just destroys everyone down here. So just talk about like your experience going against Gary Payton, the second. And you know, now what he's doing with the Warriors, are you, are you surprised? Are you, do you think it was just a matter of time before he found that fit and got that chance?
1: Yeah. I think it's a combination of all that. I mean, the the biggest thing that was missing from his game with his, was his shot. Like he mm-hmm. couldn't shoot, but he would defensively. He was great. Uh, you know, he could facilitate an offense. He's really quick on offense and everything you're seeing at, at golden state. And he's also knocking some shots down. That's the only thing that I was missing from his game. Um, So the G league gave him more and more reps again, you know, for him to really perfect his craft. So I'm not surprised at all. You know, he just needs to get to a spot where he doesn't need to be the primary scorer. He just needs to be the hustle guy. Cause he's really, really good at that. That, right. that dude kicked our butt numerous times in the G league. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> you shoot just i mean that that team was him caruso thomas bryant guys of the NBA, in the nba travis ware like that team was stacked and they were running was that at, grand valley that was uh south bay no that south, south bay, bay you're right right but and he, he did was play with for, the viper that team was a whole another team that was just absolutely quick as heck transition the whole way um
0: they had like Duncan on everybody or something
1: yeah, I, I didn't yeah, know yeah, yeah. I didn't know GP2 had hops like that until, yes, he, yes. until he dunked on somebody or did a tip a tip dunk or something. And I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> this little five, six foot one kid can jump higher than everybody on the
0: team. It was I was impressed. Um you know and, and it's been awesome, especially when a guy puts in the work in the G League. He's just been there forever. He's never given up. He's got a couple cups of coffee in the NBA. Just can never stick. He's been one of these guys in summer league. So I've been really pumped about Gary Payton II kind of getting his shot. The Mittens, also one of the funniest <laughs> nicknames I've ever heard in sports. Uh,
1: what With about Jordan Kyle Poole? Guy's The Little Ticket? That's up there. A cu- Kyle awesome. Guy's
0: The Little Ticket?
1: Yeah, he's a Little Shout ticket. out,
0: Kyle Guy. I know that's <laughs> Kyle's guy. See what I did there? We're having fun now. <laughs> got it, got it. <laughs> um, we got to talk about Jordan Poole because i'm gonna admit i never saw this i was lower when i evaluated him i thought the shot was erratic and he went to the g league and i know you got to coach against him, and i thought he struggled in the g league and i was just like boy i don't i don't know um i don't know if this is ever gonna kind of work and he's been one of the most impressive you know surprises in the nba this year so what was it like for you seeing Jordan Poole, and how do you feel about you know now seeing him on the court and what he's doing for Golden State? I mean, he's been one of their most impressive players this year, without you know the obvious guys like Wardell and uh, Draymond, who <laughs> yeah, keep being I, pretty good at their jobs. What a what a development that kid has had, man! Mm-hmm. Like,
1: literally, what a development he was. He was. I remember when I watched him at Golden State, you know, as a rookie, and he was. I, I was in the same boat as you. I was like. I don't think this kid can play like, what mm-hmm. I don't know about this one. Yeah. Uh, the Warriors might've finally missed on a draft pick. Right. And, right. That's uh, what it
0: seemed like. It was like, <laughs> that's a bold one. I yeah. don't know. Like, but, but
1: he came down the G league. And I remember when I looked at the, at the stats, he was over from three. He hadn't made a three and he played, I don't know how many games he played, but it was like, Oh, for 23 or something like 0 for 14 or 0 for 14 from the two, like he couldn't score. Right. And so we went into that, you know, obviously, you know, I've seen him definitely at his lowest. This has to be his lowest because he was bricking everything, but to see the development. And as time went on, you know, that was his first year in the G league. So he didn't really, you know, it's the program. Again, we talk about game reps every year, year by year, he continued to, to develop this past summer, uh, work with Packy Turner and developed even more like, He's a piece now. That kid is a player. And I completely was wrong. Like, yeah, he could play.
0: I, I, I was wrong. I just, I when I evaluated him, I thought the shot selection was just all over. I was like, yeah, he could score. But I don't know if that mentality is going to work with every team. Like, yeah. it's going to have to be a very specific team. And then just early on, I wasn't sold. But, you know, I, I think. Ha- go ahead. My bad. I didn't
1: mean to cut you off. But no, I think no, no, a lot no. of his stuff, too, was was uh was really mental because his shot was missing left right you know just things that just were very uncharacteristic you know um so I think a lot of it was mental and they just need the confidence and that's again what another piece of what the G League is great about it it'll give you that confidence um you know later on
0: have you ever had to deal with that with a guy where they come down and just can't put a good performance on for their lives like maybe like Jordan Poole just can't get anything to fall and you kind of have to just sit there and be like, hey, you're going to be fine. Like, just keep playing. Like, they were down from going to the G League. Now they can't make a bucket, so they might even be more down and you kind of have to kind of throw that confidence into them, install it and be like, this is going to be fine. We're going to laugh about this moving forward. Like, have you ever had anything like that?
1: 100%. I think you you deal with that all the time. You know, confidence is the number one thing when i when i learned that from rico he said sometimes you just got to trick these guys into thinking that they're better than they really are because that's what i do every
0: day when i'm evaluating (laughs) draft prospects i just convince myself i'm better at it
1: (laughs) well i mean shoot and and that's what sometimes that's all it takes you just got to figure out what clicks for each guy you know every guy doesn't learn the same every guy doesn't you can't talk to every guy the same either um and so you know, you deal with that on a on a daily basis. There's gonna be a slump, like we talk about. Someone like Winion Gabriel, who had a mm-hmm. really, really tough rookie uh, rookie slump. Uh, the dude was just absolutely struggling, and everything you just tell it was just all mental. But just continue to work on it every day. Work on the craft, build that confidence, build. Just continue to talk positive and um, help them understand. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Like right. this, you're not gonna be in this rookie slump forever. Right, you know. Right um but yeah you deal with that all the time in the pros
0: I think that's why I've been one of those guys and I'm not trying to toot my own horn but we've also got some guys that know ceilings that have been just kind of pumping the brakes about Jaden Hardy getting out to the year slow start in G League Ignite because it's like when you watch most of those young prospects the first couple games in the G League and then the end of the year it is amazing how different they play the game and that also goes back to Kaminga and Jalen Green. You know, they didn't have a traditional long G League season. They had a condensed one with the bubble. I think a lot of people got caught up in, you know, Kaminga's percentages. I was like, mm-hmm. he has a small sample. If, if With that small sample, if you have a stretch of three bad games, it's your numbers are going to look terrible. So I think it's really important what you're talking about, just like the confidence building. And you can see that, like we talked about before, This is becoming a really crucial tool to build confidence in young players that just need some run. And it can do wonders if they get that confidence when it comes to the rest of their career.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, a a lot of people, too, will get worked up on stats, like Mm -hmm. you were saying. You know, but there's a lot of things that some of these prospects are doing that don't show up on the stat sheet. And that's what I also loved about Kaminga, too. The kid was a help side. Like, he was changing shots like nobody's business. It doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Right. But anytime someone got beat on the other side, he's coming over to help and he's going walling up straight up and he's got some long arms and he's strong. He's gonna make you distort your shot as much as possible. And that, like, that to me was just that's mature learning too. Like the like it's not all about the block shots, it's about making that shot as difficult as possible for the other person. Um, but yeah, and you know, with a small sample size, it goes both ways, I think, too. Like, there's a lot of guys that Will perform great in the NCAA tournament. And then they end up coming to the NBA and they.
0: Uh, uh, <laughs> I know you're trying to be polite. <laughs> I'm calling oh, everyone that can't <laughs> see the video right now. Kyle Kyle was definitely trying to be like, oh, I don't know if I could say this. Yeah,
1: they. Uh, yeah, they. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> didn't work out. All right. So. <laughs> It wasn't, they weren't as successful at the NBA level as they were in the, in the NCAA tournament, you know, and just it, you know, it, it but the biggest thing is you have to find, you know, those attributes that you think you can develop. If, if their work ethic matches up, do they have some strong foundational pieces like with Kaminga, when you were talking about, um, his bubble experience wasn't great. He didn't shoot right. the ball great, but he His had that first good game. Yeah, yeah. He had one good exactly. game
0: and everyone was like, oh my gosh. And then he struggled, and everyone was like, okay, maybe he's a bust. And it's like, what are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> Look like, at the one game he had. Like, yeah. But I'm like you. I think, and I didn't mean to cut you off because no. I think we should roll with Kaminga for a little bit. Like, let's let's talk. We have these both have these strong opinions about him. You know, I, I just think watching him in the G League. Obviously, taking what you told me, because I, it was funny throughout that whole evaluation process heading up to the draft. I was just sold on him, and everyone seemed like they were cold. And I, I feel like I called you a couple times, and I was like, "You really like Kaminga, don't you?" And, and you were like, "Yes, dude." Like everyone needs to stop overthinking it. He's got the tools. I, I'm a believer. And when he went to the Warriors, I was like, "Oh man!" And and what what I was trying to get at. It wasn't the stats. It was Mm. the flashes on the screen that you could see, like, the defensive awareness and potential to be a real problem for, uh, like, opposing teams is there. He just needs the reps because you could see, like, the awareness of where to rotate, you know, the potential to be a shot blocker. I mean, and he's just built like he's been in the NBA for five <laughs> yes. years and in the weight room and he's yes. 18. So the kid is um,
1: 18. That's the biggest thing.
0: Right. It is I, 18. <laughs> and we chase numbers too much with young kids, but they're not yeah. finished at all, especially so like G league guys like this. They're not finished products at all. So I don't know. It's just, what do you think about Kaminga moving forward? Do you think from what, I don't know how much you've watched of him in this year in the G league when he's down there, but in the nba he's shown some flashes even he just looks like a guy that's going to potentially be a problem like i don't there's been thrown around some rumors about people trying to trade him to get bigger pieces i was like i don't know if i would touch Kaminga. i would leave I him to that. see what you got you might have a gold mine of a prospect uh, for yes. the next 10 years
1: yes like i, I like how, how how many years do you think draymond has left
0: Oh, I hate this because hate somehow this is going to get around to spot. Draymond. No, it, it, the problem with Draymond, or the good thing about Draymond right. is what I'm saying is he he doesn't need to be this offensive weapon because he's mm-hmm. so special all over the place and he makes an impact. So I, I could see Draymond extending his career longer than we think. But I, I think I know where you're going at with Kaminga because why wouldn't you just have him sponge up Draymond as, as much God. and slow as possible? And I still believe in James Wiseman. I'm just going to yeah, throw that out there. For so. sure.
1: Um, uh, but I think Kaminga's not a, a, you know, maybe not Draymond playing the five first. Right, you know, right. That, that version of Draymond. But him being like a secondary ball handler, a big that can, that can run the floor, that can help facilitate, that can pass, like, and can really defend. I think that trade-off of the torch is going to be great for Golden State. Like, I right. think Kuminga is going to be something that Golden State fans are going to really be happy for for a long time.
0: I mean, he he's he's done some stuff. I mean, I saw it in Summer League. In Summer League, when he showed it, I was like, oh, my goodness. Just I was like, this kid figures it out and things slow down. He's going to be a right. freak of nature. And then he's done some stuff already in the NBA in limited minutes. Like, Woo, oh my goodness! Like it can only go up because no, he's 18. He's got some foundational
1: pieces. He had 25 the other night for Santa Cruz. Like he could right. score, but imagine him continuing to learn from people, people like Draymond, from Steph, from you know, they've got some some legitimate pieces that are real strong NBA vets that can teach him the game. You know, I think he's in a a great position to really have a a really good and long career in NBA.
0: Yeah, I I, and I know what you're talking about. I mean, the other night he had that sequence. He had like a pull up three. Yeah. And then a steal on a, it and had like something. a windmill. And I was just like, Yeah, okay, yeah, that should that should that should do it. Thank you, Jonathan. Yes. <laughs> but nice. um, what else are we feeling about the Warriors? You know, let's let's we're we started G League now we're finally getting to our real feels. I mean, they've been absolutely fantastic. What do you, are we thinking? Clay is going to be fine. I'm putting you on the spot. You got to answer for all of dub nation right now. Is clay going to be okay? Or do you think he's going to, he's going to take a, l- I think he's going to be very rusty, but yeah. I would, I'm very excited. I'm going to be holding my breath. The entire first game he plays. Yeah.
1: K- Clay's a hooper. And yeah. Hoopers will always find a way to hoop and we'll yes. be good at hooping. Actually a uh, funny, funny question that for any of your viewers to find out this percentage for me, uh, when I was early in my career trying to get into the G League, I've never told you this story before. No, I love this. Come on, hit me. The Warriors were in the finals, right? Uh I obviously had a credential to get into the building. Oh, my gosh.
0: Did you just humble brag me so hard? No,
1: no, 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 no. But I, I used it not as I was supposed to, but I got an executive from Golden State. It was okay for that. So they had a practice, right? I had texted... Larry Riley, or, or emailed Larry Riley asking if he could meet to, so I can get some advice or whatever. Humble brag. They are having the NBA final practice. He said, yeah, come by Oracle. Uh, do you have a credential? And I said, yeah, I just have like an old game day one. He's like, yeah, perfect. Just use that, walk in. No one's going to give you any issues. Amazing. I walked Shout in, out, Larry. Yeah, which is completely different now. Now they're top flight security. But uh, I ended up getting in, um, or shoot, maybe Larry gave me a, maybe Mr. Riley or Larry, whatever you want to call him. Maybe he gave me a game day. <laughs> pass or whatever but i end up going to practice i'm sitting in the stands with him and we're just watching nba finals practice and he said you know what i out of anything you learn from me i really want to know this because i'd never figured it out how many of god how many kids of former nba players come out to be something really good he said the percentage has got to be pretty dang high he said i don't I know don't the answer know. to it but i always want to i always wanted to figure that out so i went on a mission to try to figure it out Next thing you know, I'm at G League. I'm have a job in the G League. I completely forget. But if anybody wants to figure that out, feel free to go ahead and.
0: Are you so you're basically telling me and our listeners if I start going down that rabbit hole, I'm just going to blink and be a, working in the G League.
1: I mean, I don't know, but <laughs> just think about. It. I mean, I think there's a there's something to be said there for former NBA players whose kids end up being a really good NBA player. I, Steph, I, Clay, I, obviously, you know, are obvious choices there. Um, I
0: definitely think there's something because I'm a big sucker for when I evaluate guys bloodlines. Like even if right. your cousin was uh, an NBA guy, like I, right. I I'm a sucker for that. Cause it's in the blood and you are going to understand what it is, but sons, you know, I, I mean, obviously Stefan clay, like you just said, right. um, of course I'm drawing a blank and I'm gonna get, we're going to get called out on yeah. social media for not knowing. I guess Javale McGee.
1: Like I mean, he, yeah, he's had a long NBA career, but his his mom played in the WNBA, right? Um, We're count we'll count that.
0: Sure. I mean, we'll go
1: to the officials. I think the officials yeah. are going to give us a pass. If not, then I'm going to throw. I want. I'm going to press the button so I can get a review. <laughs> uh, shoot, who? Else? I mean, but it's a
0: it's a great point, and yeah, um, that's awesome about Larry Riley. That's a great story. It's always cool when the big ups give uh, give some time for the you know. The hungry kids, the 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 small ones that are down the food chain, but there that's got to be something. Of course, every LeBron fan on right now is going to be like, "Well, it's going to happen with LeBron and his kid and Bronny." But shout out Laker fans. Um, I'm trying to think of another one. Why can't I think of anyone?
1: There's there's got to be more. There's no way I'm, There's no way there's only two because Larry Riley wouldn't know. He wouldn't ask me to find an answer out if
0: if there was only two uh, or three. Well, Chamberlain had like nine hundred kids, right? So he probably has a couple of kids in the league. <laughs> that's I. I've warned people when they come on this. I'm like, this is no filter. All right. Well, that's that's gonna do it. Um, I was really pumped to do this episode. I've wanted to do this since last season, and I've been promising that you know the basketball podcast by backward violation. We're gonna have a lot more guests this year. A lot more strategic people to have on here that I think listeners can learn a lot from. Kyle. It's been fantastic to have you on I, I know your knowledge and your experience someone's gonna listen to this and it's gonna help them a long way in the basketball industry or hey maybe in life who knows maybe they're just really pumped about coming up but I just want to say thank you for coming on our first our first guest ever Kyle Nishimoto Wow I mean, that's a that's a big one you put that on resume put it builders, on a shirt put it on a t-shirt <laughs> first guest. plug what you're doing anything you want out there like this is your moment go for it plug whatever you want
1: shoot uh shout out st francis high school Uh, shout
0: out st francis get on board while you still can i was doing big things there i'm proud of them my dms are
1: open if anybody's (laughs) looking to be a video coordinator uh let me know i'm more than you know willing to teach you about huddle sports code and synergy all the ins and outs because something that i wish i would have known back then so let me know
0: it, seriously that might have been the most valuable piece of information if anyone I know there's guys out there that I talk to every day that won't have questions about that if anyone has any questions about that Kyle is your Oracle like please reach out to him the kid works so damn hard behind the scenes and I've seen it with my own two eyes. so Kyle thank you so much for coming on here starting off season two with a bang um, I think this was Very important and a valuable topic moving forward because it's going to be relevant for years to come. And for everyone that's listening, you know, buckle up. Season two is going to have a lot more guests, a lot more fun. We'll eventually get Neem back in here to uh, give us some laughs. But, you know, like I said, he's load managing. So, you know, we'll have to to see what other curveballs we have. Well, forward. Neem, you
1: got some big shoes to fill. All right. Any, yeah, any other
0: guest that comes on this dang podcast, you got
1: some big shoes to fill. So I feel bad for you. But uh, I'd hate to appreciate that. you again.
0: No, no. Thank you for coming on, Kyle. And uh, for everybody else, my name is Tyler Rucker by, with Kyle Nishimoto. Thank you so much for joining us. I love you all. Stuck around St. Petersburg when I saw it was a time for a change.